Who's Bekistan? Where's Bekistan? Why's Bekistan? How's Bekistan? Bekistan, who's Bekistan? What's going good and what's going bad? And she's live from Tashkent, Uzbekistan, in the heart of Central Asia. Hey, welcome to episode 17 of Who's Bekistan? Coming at you live on a cold and rainy Saturday morning in the heart of Central Asia, Tashkent, Uzbekistan. More specifically, the neighborhood of Darhan, a 10-minute walk from the Hamad Alamjan metro. So, yesterday, we had a, or this week, we had a wonderful taste of spring. It was sunny, it was warm, it was fantastic. But winter is back for one more blast. It is supposed to snow some today, although I don't think it will be cold enough to stick. And it's raining. But looking ahead at the forecast next week, we are back to some more seasonal sunny spring temperatures, which I'm very excited about. We're definitely over the dark. It's, you know, staying light until, you know, past six o'clock now is a big relief. I can see the sun coming up in the morning when I'm getting ready. So, so grateful that the long, dark winter is wrapping up. So, Getting to my three typical questions. What am I excited about? What am I puzzled by? And how long do I plan to stay? What am I excited about? I am extremely excited about snowboarding. So, since I moved here, I had really wanted to go to the ski resort to go snowboarding. That is about an hour and 15 minutes by car from downtown Tashkent. So, but I just, I just couldn't figure out a way to make that happen. Like, I tell people all the time, yeah, if you're interested in going skiing, let me know. Yeah, I would be happy to join in. And just nothing presented. And I couldn't figure out, like, why are there not tour companies that will take people up there for the day? Um, yeah, it just, you know, last winter got kind of truncated with me having covid but that had been one of my very big goals this year was to get to go to the ski resort here. It's called Amersori. So, um, I got to go last week with um, some an American friend of mine and some other friends of hers, and one of them could drive. So, at dark 30 in the morning, we, we headed out of town and, and headed up the mountain, and yeah, I mean it's it's not a horribly unpleasant drive there. They don't really have super highways here, but yeah, like there's a road, you know. Um and then you know, you climb up the mountain which is some hairpin turns like you would expect. So I mean not wholly different than in the US. Definitely skiing and snowboarding here is something that the upper class does. Even though it is a lot cheaper than in the U.S., it's quite expensive for here. Um, I about fell out when it was $15 for us to park. I had no idea that would be the case. And then it was about $25 for the ticket, about $25 for the equipment. So, like I said, by, by U.S. standards, that's a, you know, a decent price. But, but for here, you know, a, a $60 or $70 day is 
you know, that's that's not including snacks. I brought food. The people I was with ate at the restaurant there. So, you know, that's definitely one of my money-saving strategies. But the resort itself was actually quite nice. And I've recently learned that it only opened in 2019. So, I mean, it is a new thing here. There was a previous ski resort that is still open that is small and old and was built by the Soviets. But, you know, this is a new modern one. Um, it's got a gondola that goes from the base of the mountain up to the parking lot up to the resort. So some people access the resort via the gondola. Or you can drive all, all the way to the top, which is your standard ski resort type thing. And there, there's a gondola that you can take to the top of the slope. Or they have a chairlift that goes to their lower parts of the resort. So, I've never been in a gondola. I've still never been in a gondola because I didn't go all the way to the top of the mountain since I'm a, you know, very novice intermediate snowboarder. But the thing I was really, really excited about is the, uh, the level of difficulty at the resort was a very good match for my ability level. So, it's very good for, you know, novice type intermediate people, um, Lot, lots of slopes available. So I, I didn't feel like I was bored, but I also didn't feel like I was in over my head. Uh, yeah, with a chairlift. So, um, yeah, so there's a, uh, the people I was with ate lunch at a restaurant that you ski down to. So, I mean, that was kind of cool. Um, I believe they have some accommodations that you can ski in and ski out. Um, I didn't actually go much into the resort other than to where I just got the ticket and the equipment. So, I don't know what kind of facilities they have. Um, um, but, you know, it, it was crowded. Um, I was struck by the fact that there was a lot of English being spoken at that ski resort. So, I don't know if we just happened to be there with a lot of foreigners. But, um, you know, it's definitely something more international people do rather than locals. Also noticed a huge gender disparity. So, you know, I was with a group of, we were three middle-aged women and one of them's teenage daughter. And, you know, there, there were, there were some other females there, but I mean, were outnumbered by men. I mean, like 20 to 1, you know, something like that would be a loose estimate. So, you know, I've, I always have that question throughout my life. Why is it I like to do the things that men like to do? And, or, yeah, but I don't know, that's a topic for another day. So, all in all, I was uh, very pleased with the ski resort. I would sort of change their procedures, how they get people in and get you your equipment, how you pay. Um, you end up waiting in line three times. You wait in line to buy a pass. You wait in line to get your equipment. You wait in line to pay for your equipment. There's got to be a more streamlined way to do that. But luckily, we timed it pretty good. Um, I have arrangements to go again tomorrow with a tour group. And looking at the time we're leaving, I feel pretty confident that most of our morning is going to be spent buying tickets and getting equipment. But, you know, whatever. I, When you don't drive, you know, i got to kind of go with what's available. So I'm trying to go 
prepare myself to make the best of it and that it will be more crowded tomorrow than when I was there last week. Um, so trying to prepare myself to make the best of that. So anyway, I could go on and on, but yeah, two thumbs up for the skiing here outside of Tashkent. If you are a very advanced skier or snowboarder and are used to huge scale resorts, eh, you probably won't like it. But I'm used to North Carolina skiing and snowboarding, so I thought it was fine. Moving on, what am I puzzled by? So I've spoken a lot in the past about how internationally people use different communication uh, than Americans. That I think America is probably the only country where people text and the rest of the world uses apps and it varies by country. China uses WeChat, uh, Uzbekistan uses Telegram, most parts of the world use uh, WhatsApp. I believe Korea has their own local version. I would assume Russia has their own local version. So, yeah, and I have talked about all the glories of using apps for communication. You can toggle back and forth between your phone and a laptop. So, like, if you're sharing files or something you need to read on a bigger screen than your phone. Um... All the, you know, leaving voice messages rather than having to type things out so you feel like you're having a conversation with people. That it, your account carries over whichever your device it's on. It's not contingent on your phone number, except for WhatsApp is contingent on your phone number. But most of them are not. And I could go on and on and on. And each of these different communication apps have different pros and cons by, based on how they're set up. So Telegram is the de facto communication app of Uzbekistan. My favorite thing about Telegram is it has awesome stickers. It has awesome stickers. So if you type in a smiley face from your keyboard emojis, it'll bring you up about 50 cute stickers that you can choose from. And if you choose a thumbs up, it's got a bunch of cute thumbs up. And I just like cute stickers on my phone. They make me happy. However, let me get to the part I'm puzzled by. Because Telegram is the de facto communication of the country, businesses, of course, have figured out how to use it to promote their businesses for marketing. And there are many businesses here that are solely run on Telegram. So... But it leads the question, it, it lends itself to the question, is that a good idea or a bad idea? And, you know, companies are arranged on chat groups. You know, I think I'm in about six chat groups related to my school. Um, other, you know, like my trivia group, you know, is on a chat group. And on the one hand, that is an extremely efficient way to organize things because it's in your pocket. But on the other hand, it can be hard to scroll back and find what you were looking for. So if there's some kind of, you know, strategic message, it can, if it's a big chat group with a lot of activity, you know, it can get lost in a string of 100 messages. How do you scroll back and find stuff? This happens a lot with me on my school group that I constantly lose track of what's in the thread. Um, but, but regarding these businesses who do things on Telegram, like this tour company I'm going snowboarding with tomorrow, they have all these different chats open. So they open up a thread 
for each tour they're offering every week, but then they cross-post a lot of stuff. But I've typed in some questions, including using the strategy of typing it in Russian, and, you know, haven't really gotten a response. So it's with this bombardment of information coming, the same things coming down different channels, not being able to retrieve things in a text, it, it begins to really beg the question, is this the most efficient way or not? Um, I don't know. So, somehow it's seeming a little more cumbersome and overwhelming that normally I think it's a good idea. But I am irritated that this company has not um, tried to address my questions in there. And they routed me to Google Translate that I should just translate their messages. Well, I have done that, and there were some points left unclear. And they share a lot of information that's on slides, and you can't use Google Translate if something's on a photo. So, yeah, just kind of puzzled by what in this in the information era where we are constantly bombarded with, you know, reminders and, and information and advertisements, you know, very different than, you know, 20 years ago where we got our information from TV commercials. What is the best way to organize this for maximum efficiency? And that just is an unanswered question. Okay, so closing out today, how long do I plan to stay? That question is getting more difficult to answer by the day. I don't know. Um, I've got nine more weeks left in this semester with these students. I teach three days a week. That would be 27 more classes. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens after then. So, yeah, no, nothing to declare either way yet. So, in summary, I am very excited about the opportunities I'm having to go snowboarding here. I am very puzzled by how to use chat apps efficiently and not overwhelm people. And I don't know how long I'm staying. Whoever you are, wherever you're listening, if you're in Turkey, if you're in Germany, if you're in Bremerton, Washington, if you're in the Piedmont walking your dog, or anything of the sort, I'm glad you're listening. And tune in next time to see what's happening to Becca in Uzbekistan. Bye-bye.